0: Welcome. So, would one of you mind praying and then we'll do introductions?
1: Don, would do you pray? Father in heaven, we're thankful for the opportunity to come and um, reason together. We ask that we could learn from one another, but most importantly, from your spirit. And so we invite. Your presence in our midst again, in Christ's name, Amen.
0: All right, we'll start from the audience's left and work the way right. Make introductions because I don't know that we know everyone on stage. Yeah, you're the audience's left. Like check My name
2: is Keala Thompson.
0: And, and where you're where you're from?
2: I'm from Hawaii, from the Big Island of Hawaii. And. I've been pastoring there at uh, the Hanukkah Church for 14 years.
3: My name is Yvette Thompson, and I'm also from Hawaii. Uh, uh, my name is Andre Waller. I am, uh, this is my wife. She's going to say her own name. <laughs> uh, but na- My name is Andre Waller, and I am the co-director of Takoa Missions. It is a missionary training school in New Hampshire, in the Northeast. Mike, and we are very interested in establishing a fully functioning Outpost Center. And so that's what we're about, that's what we're doing. And just great grateful to be here for the second year, and um, grateful for the kindness that all of you have, have given us. Now this is Sweetie Pie, one moment.
4: <laughs> I'm Alpha Waller, and everything else that he said Um, Outpost Center that we would like to establish, and we're in New Hampshire right
1: now. We reside in New Hampshire. I'm Don McIntosh. I'm the chaplain at Weimar Institute, and also director of the health program, which is a health evangelism and leadership training program. We serve as an Outpost Center near Sacramento and San Francisco, and some of our graduates are actually working right now in San Francisco. And we're excited to do a similar ministry on the other side of the country that's blending the gospel work and the medical missionary work in the context of a sanitarium and also a training program and then an outreach program.
0: All right. Thank you all for asking so many questions. We won't get to all of them, and there are some that... I will reference, but I'm going to have you actually listen to last year's Q&A on Audioverse. Sorry, you don't get to ha- hear the answer live, but Audioverse has it. A couple of those are, we are told to move out of the cities before the coming crisis. What do you do if you're single and no future of marriage? No, this is serious. Could
1: you say it again? Okay, I'll repeat the question. Just, those are,
0: those are on Audioverse already. Yes, these are on Audioverse already. These I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a couple of questions. We are told to move. I will. Told to move to the out of the cities before the coming crisis. That question was answered last year. If you go on Audioverse.org, SWIC2012Q&A, you can find it. The other one that was on there, and I apologize to all of you single people. But it's, do you have dating or courting advice? And when do I, when's the right time to ask? All those sorts of things. It's on Audioverse or ask your parents. (laughs) All right. So we're going to start off with some easy ones like last year, and then we'll get to some ones that people don't, you don't really want to answer. Okay. All right. First question. I am a youth. Whoever wrote this. What do you do when you know that your church is sleeping and you try to do things to wake them up, but no one supports or listens to you? Would it be okay to go to another church that is more active and on fire?
1: So the question is, what do you do with a dead church? Should it go somewhere else? Yes. Well, you know, I guess since no one's answering, uh, you know... I remember I went to a church that had three members. They were all over 70 years old, and um, that appeared to me to be dead, but as I talked to them, there was one lady who was very interested in doing something in the community. She was 95, and she said she was willing to open her home and go door-to-door. So we started to go door-to-door, and she knew everybody in the city and their kids and their grandkids and their great grandkids. There was nobody we met, she didn't know, and pretty soon the church you know, grew to about 30 or 40 members. So all I would say to you is try and find the person in the church that's the most alive, work with them, and you can see revival come in any church. Don't ever fall for the idea that this is the hardest church that there ever is, there's no such thing. God can work in any place. Um, and especially if you're using the medical missionary work.
0: All right. Thank you, Don. Next question, still an easy question, then we'll get into others. Thank you. Excuse me, have you ever canvassed before? If you have, what was your best and worst experiences? Thank you for choosing this question. God bless. Smiley face.
3: So yay, I like that question. Um, I've canvassed. I, first time canvassing was when I was 13 years old. Uh, I run a literary evangelistic school, so we train young people how to do literary evangelism. I'll tell you my worst experience and I'll tell you my best experience. My worst experience, which is really one of my best experiences, but nonetheless, one of my worst experience was I went to a door, they said no. I went to the next house, they said no. They kept saying no at every house, every single solitary door. One door slammed the door so hard, so hard that I myself was vibrating when the door (laughs) was shut. Uh, That whole day, at the end of the day, I was used to being the top sales guy. Um, By the end of the day, I had, I think, $1 to my name. And I went to this last house and I asked the lady, you know, would she buy the book or whatnot? And she said no. And I walked away real sad. I mean, I had my bag to my side, dragging it on the, you know, to, my, to my left-hand side, just walked away with my head to the ground. I'm supposed to be the missionary, you understand? But anyway, I'm walking away real sad. And the lady seems to, sees me and she says, you know what? I'm going to do missionary work for him. So she calls me back into the house. She gives me a little bit of food and some water. And she gives me $10. She sends me on my way. So I go to my room and I ask God, why is this so hard? I understand. Is there some sin in my life? that I do something wrong? Am I cursed? And none of the above. And the next morning I had devotion. I was reading Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua chapter 1 said, every place where the soul is your foot shall tread is yours. And I said, well, I don't want to be randomly claiming promises that don't have anything to do with me. But I, I'm going to take this as a promise from God. So that morning, I told my boy, I said, hey Eric, this is gonna be one of the greatest days that we've ever had. And they asked us, who wants to go back to that territory that we had yesterday? And everybody said, no. And I was the only one that said, yes, send me back. you know. And so I went back to that territory. By lunchtime, I had one dollar. But I claimed the promise, every place where the sole of your foot shall tread is yours. So I kept on, and around after lunch, I heard a little still small voice instruct me, and a still small voice said, you're saying your canvas too fast. So I slowed my canvas down, I said the canvas, I sold two books at the house, next house, I sold two books at the next house. Then my leaders decided to come work with me because he saw that I was kind of doing pretty good, so he said, let me come and help this brother. So he said, Andre, you haven't sold a set in a couple days. Why don't you pray and ask God for a set? So I said, no problem. I said, let's, he said, let's pray for four books. So I prayed for four books, next house, four books. So I'm on fire right now. I mean, books are just flying out my hand. Get to this next house, and there's this line of cars in the driveway, at least 20 cars. And every time there's 20 cars in the driveway, I never want to canvas the house. But skip a house, skip a blessing. That's what they teach you, right? So I get to the house, I go to the door, and I'm about to pull out the cookbook, but the spirit guy says, no. I pulled out the guy's answers. I show the guy's answers. The guy says, what else do you have? Pull out the He taught Love. He says, what else do you have? I put out the, uh, there's another book, uh, Peace Above the Storm. He said, come in. So I go into the house, and everybody's sitting in this massive circle. It's about 25 people in that circle, 20, 25 people. He said, everyone, this is Andre. Andre, this is everyone. He says, I'm gonna buy books from Andre. And then he says, hold up. Andre, why don't you tell everybody what you're doing? So, I told everybody what I was doing. I put a book in everybody's hand. You know, put the book in the hand. Do you know everybody bought a book from me? One house. Over 30 books in that one house. You know, it wasn't my abilities that made that happen. You follow what I'm saying? When my buddy came in around the side, he, was, he got to the house. Because, you know, when you're canvassing, you have that little block system, and you cross over and work back. So he worked back, but on the other side of the street, he was walking real slow, like I was the day before. So he could have got to that house, too. So when he got to the house, he sees that all these people are buying books, and he says, you're so lucky. I said, no, brother. I said, it's the spirit of God. And it was funny, and I'll tell you this part. It was funny. As the people are reading the books, they're looking at the books, and they're saying... You know, you know about those Adventist people? They don't know I'm Adventist. You know about those Adventist people? They got this prophet, and I, I don't know. They're, they're little cultists. I'm not saying nothing. They bought all the cultist prophets books, amen?
0: How, how many of you have been canvassing leaders in the summer? Could you raise your hand? So, Young, please keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Young people or older people, if you want to go canvassing for a summer, talk to one of these people with their hands raised. Okay. Next question. This is on Audioverse, but it'll make sense. We're going in a, in a flow. How do we know when to ask a boy or girl to court date? So that's on Audioverse. So they get together. They're courting they're dating. Then they break up. The next question. How could you let go of someone in your past but still be able to bring them to Christ? And if one of the females wouldn't mind answering.
4: Can you repeat it?
0: Yes. So the question before that's on audio verse, when do I date, court, they get together, they break up? How could you let go of someone in your past but still be able to bring them to Christ?
4: If the person, does the person want to still be with that person so they could come to Christ, maybe they won't answer.
0: Well, they're trying to let go.
4: They're trying to let go. So I guess they're trying to
0: forget about the past, but still bring the person to Christ.
4: Um, I would just say be a witness as far as your lifestyle is concerned. If you set an example of a true Christian, then that person will see the light Your light shine, and then they will either want to follow or not want to follow. But you cannot make a horse drink water.
0: Your husband is shaking. (laughs) (laughs) Am I
4: shaking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah, I would say you you can't you can't make them um, be what they might not want to be. But the best thing I would say is just to show the true character of Christ. If you want someone to see the character of Christ, then that's what you do show the character of Christ.
3: Example. Don, did you want to? Uh, I, I would say it's very simple. If you broke up, that means you have some type of emotional attachment to the person. Is that right? We're not going to lie. Don't lie to yourself. Right? If you broke up with somebody, that means somewhere, somehow, you still have an emotional attachment with the individual. Don't try to put it into a Christian form and say, now I'm going to try to save them. That, th- that is that's that's tricky all right so what you want to be is honest you know I still might have emotions for this individual the safe bet is you stay focused on what you're supposed to stay focused on you lift them up in prayer but don't you hold and try to give a bible study that's a that's a problem I'm just telling the truth we, we try to play games with our emotions don't don't do that don't do that if you broke up you broke up If he thinks you want somebody to give him a Bible study, send somebody else to give him a Bible study. But you pray. Amen. Amen.
0: You look like you want to answer, Don.
1: No, I'm just saying amen, brother. Okay, okay.
0: (laughs) All right. My dad was controlling, and I never felt like I could live up to his expectations. I think I'm angry at him and having trouble forgiving him. What do I do?
1: Do I have a conversation? Um, I got a text for you. It's Ezekiel 18, verse 14. Ezekiel 18:14. I think it's 14, just a minute. Could have moved. Yes, it's 18.14. In this particular chapter, there's three different family scenarios that are played out, and one of them is um, dealing with this. Verse 14, if he begets a son who sees all the sins his father has done and considers them but does not do likewise. So there's three directives in that verse. It looks like this person asking the question has covered two of them. He has seen the sins of His Father. He has considered them. And now comes the hard part, don't do likewise. Now, the interesting thing is that in Jeremiah 31, in Jeremiah 31, it gives the second section of that. You know, in the first part of Ezekiel, it says, the father has, or the parent has eaten sour grapes, and therefore their kid's teeth are set on edge and um and so that can really happen um and then the counsel is given see it consider it but don't do likewise now look here in Jeremiah 31 verse 29 is the same as Ezekiel 18:1 the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge but then notice you know remember our counsel see it consider it but don't do likewise Well, who's going to help you with that? Here it is. This is the covenant, verse 33, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And then it continues on, the things that God will do. Here's the thing. God can heal your relationship but you probably can't. You can see it. You can consider it. You don't have to do likewise. But God is promising here that if you turn to Him, He can be as a father to you, as a family to you, and He can work on the hearts of, the heart of your father and uh, on your family. Now, you might have to have a conversation. You might need to have one. Um, I know that the Lord can lead in that because He did in my life, and my father and I were estranged. The text I showed you actually saved my relationship with my father. And I think your question is very important because he wants to turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers in these last days. And if you make yourself available, I believe the Holy Spirit will, number one, either solve the problem with your father or be a father to you and give you the confidence to go forward being in God's family.
2: Just to um, add to that, um, Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So, healing is intertwined with forgiveness. I mean, you have to be able to forgive in order to truly heal. And it says to forgive others even as Christ is forgiving you. So there's the order here. I mean, humanly, I think a lot of times as Christians, we say, okay, I need to forgive. And we're like, we grit our teeth and cleanse our fists and force ourselves. Okay, I got to forgive. I got to forgive. I am got to forgive. God, give me the strength to forgive. But it says even as. And so the story of the, the, the king who forgave his servant, right? and he was forgiven, and he went out, he didn't forgive his servant, and he went back to the king and said, shouldn't you have forgiven as I have forgiven you? In other words, we cannot give that which we have not first received ourselves, amen? So you need to experience it in your heart first, and I think that's where a lot of Christians cannot forgive because they have never experienced a true forgiveness from God first in their hearts. And when you first experience that in your heart, forgiveness from God, um, then you can forgive other people. I, I always give the same counsel, if they, kind of have, if they have a hard time forgiving, I said, maybe you haven't really received forgiveness from God first. And then when you receive that, then you can give only that which you have first received.
0: So this question isn't written down, but if so many people are having an issue of, of feeling forgiven themselves, where do they start? So if, if, if they can't, Forgive someone else. It's it's likely because they haven't. You have experienced to start, forgiveness themselves. I always lead
2: them to the cross. You have to go back to Christ. You have to go back. The cross is the answer to everything. It has the it has the answer. By His wounds we are healed. So, uh, in in this uh, healing session, I always lead them back. The answer is always the cross. God's love somehow. So the forgiveness found on the cross for you is. Uh, you have to not intellectual. The hardest journey is eighteen inches from the head to the heart. Right. You may understand it, but you need to really experience and study the cross and see how much God has forgiven you. Um, and when you experience that, um, it will easily forgive one another. And that's what, that's what the gospel is. The, the answer is in the gospel.
1: So practically doing what uh, the pastor has said is sometimes what I do is take Isaiah 53, and then I go through and list the categories. Jesus was physically abused. He was emotionally abused and all the different things. And I'll write a list. And then I'll say, which one of these things has happened to you? And then the person will say, well, that happened to me. And then I show them how Jesus dealt with that and how He worked through that, through the strength that His Father gave Him, and how He's done that on our behalf. And then they see that Jesus has already gone through that and has experienced that on their behalf and totally understands them and totally can relate with them. And when they see that that has happened, they recognize the love and forgiveness of God, and they're able to move forward. It's almost as if Jesus himself is leading them, and I'm just showing them what Jesus has done. That's one of the most beautiful things that can happen. Thank you.
0: Can you be a struggling homosexual Christian and still be saved while aiming to overcome? I'll repeat the question. Can you be a struggling homosexual Christian and still be saved while aiming to overcome?
1: Well, I think the answer is yes. You can be a struggling homosexual, that's yes. You can be a struggling homosexual who's a Christian, that's yes. You can be a struggling homosexual that's aiming to overcome, that's yes. But you can't be saved unless you do overcome through the power of His grace, so that's no. So, I think that, you know, I think that the Holy Spirit's working in this individual's life, and uh, God wants to work in that life. And uh, in Corinthians, it tells us that such were some of you, but you were washed, you were justified, you were sanctified. And God can renew the heart, the mind, and uh, can give you victory over any tendencies that you may have either inherited or cultivated. That's the good news of the gospel for any situation, including that situation.
3: I mean, what? Homosexuality, lying, cheating, committing adultery, all in the same category. What do you call it? Sin. Sin. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 7, the last part, the question is raised because there's an inner struggle that's going on between the carnal man and the spiritual nature of the law. And it says in Romans 7, oh, wretched man that I am. That's homosexual. That's me right here, Andre, sitting on the stage. That's anybody in this pew. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, we look at homosexuality like it's the worst sin since Sodom and Gomorrah. What about the idleness and the lying and the cheating and the adultery that goes on? It's just as sinful, just as evil. These sins, all of them, are not acceptable to God. But, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The Bible answers, notice what it says, verse 25, I thank God through who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are where? In Christ Jesus. Jesus. So where does the homosexual have to be? Where does he have to be? In Christ Jesus. Where does the liar have to be? In Christ Jesus. Where does the one that has any sin problem have to be? In Christ Jesus. Notice, there's no condemnation now to them which which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after what? The problem is that too many of us, too many of us are seeking to live a Christian life with a carnal mind. Too many of us are seeking to live a Christian life with a carnal mind. In order to be a Christian, you must have Christ living inside. So no matter what the pull, whether it be homosexuality, no matter what the pull, whether it be lying, cheating, committing adultery, no matter what the pull, Christ reigns within. And I reckon myself likewise dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God and Jesus Christ our Lord
2: just a quote to add to that um, go along with actually pastor wallace said um, god does not regard all sins as equal magnitude there are degrees of guilt in his estimation as well as in that of man but however trifling this or that wrong may act may seem in the eyes of men no sin is small in the sight of god man's judgment is partial imperfect but god estimates all things as they really are the drunkard the external sin is despised and is told that his sin will exclude him from heaven. While pride, selfishness, and covetousness on the inside, too often go unrebuked. But these are sins that are especially offensive to God for they're contrary to the benevolence of his character. And it goes on that pride feels no need. And of all sins is the most hopeless, the most incurable. So I know we can see like the externals, but there's a lot of things... uh, uh, that we don't see that is actually worse that's going on in our church, I feel, and I see.
1: Yeah, I just, if this person uh, would like to read a chapter that I think is very helpful on this whole thing is called Help for the Tempted in the Book Ministry of Healing, and I'd highly recommend that chapter to them.
0: Oh, could, could you repeat the, uh, the reference, Don?
1: For me, well, Ministry of Healing, Help for the Tempted is the chapter. Oh, Pastor Kiala. Um,
2: that's actually in Steps of Christ, page 29 and 30. Yeah. And
0: Did everyone hear that?
2: I think Verna Santos is, um, actually, she, can, she has counseling tonight at the, at the booth that she can counsel you on, right? Yes. Okay. By Beholding is Love Ministry. So that's, that's her right there. And she specializes in um, healing from homosexuality. So if you want to have counseling tonight that's free, uh, that's going to be next door.
0: Okay. Is it necessary to go to a four-year college and get a degree? Sometimes I feel like it's a waste of time. I'm torn. Even if you have to go into debt, what's the best plan?
2: I have thoughts. Just <laughs> um, this, this sharing from my experience, I, like I share with you, I come, my family background. I mean, you go to my house, it is the, the wall of degrees. You know, I'm just, My whole family has always been into that. But you have to look at the the times. And I know a church follows the culture of the world, and um, we're behind time. But you're seeing that today's culture in this economy, you really have to question, is it really worth it to go to college immediately after high school? Because what I'm seeing is a lot of young people getting incurring a lot of debt. Because the older generation is thinking, okay, you just got to go to school, you got to get a job. But that's not the most practical solution in today's culture there's certain fields like pt that's guaranteed you can go anywhere where where in the united states and you're in big demand which is physical therapy but unfortunately that it requires a doctorate now so you're going to be hundreds of thousand dollars in debt and i know people 20 30 years after they were working as a doctor or a a, a dentist or a pt and they just started paying out their loans and so, loans is a big problem. And the federal government, a few years ago, banned all bankruptcy from federal loans or student loans. So you can't claim bankruptcy anymore. And I know people, young people, with $200,000 in debt, and they have no job. And so they went to these schools, colleges, got their degrees, and they get just going to school to get their psychology degree, their business degree, uh, sociology degree, and all these degrees, and they can do nothing with them. So you really have to look at. What is the benefit from really what's happening out there in the current culture and especially the economy that we're experiencing at this time?
1: You know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with education, and I think you should get as much as you can get, but you need to keep in mind the objective of education, which is um, to reach people for the master and increase your platform to do that. Um, the biggest problem with education, and I've had a considerable amount of it, is that you can lose your focus. Your focus needs to be winning souls, and you can win souls while you're in school. You can win schools when you're out of school, but I think the Brothers Council is very good. You need to be discerning about what kind of school you go to. Uh, is it going to be an appreciating asset? You're going to be able to increase your platform of influence and, and support your family and and whatnot, you need to take that in consideration. But we as a church um, have the largest educational Protestant educational system in the world, and I'm happy for that. Um, And I totally believe in rapid training as well. It takes nothing away from those quotes as well. And I run a rapid training program that's four months long. So you can... uh, uh, but here's the thing. No matter where you are, you need to be winning souls. When I was in school, I remember I had to take a class on Revelation, and they said, Memorize the book of Revelation. I said, Okay. I went to work, told all the nurses and doctors and people I worked with, You need to help me with my class. And I gave them each a text from the book of Revelation. Every time they came up to me, I quoted that text to them. I remember the one lady. I gave her the text, the dragon was wroth with the woman. She was one of my least favorite nursing uh, folks, and I thought she was kind of mean, so I gave her that text. And she started thinking about that text, and she came to me, she goes, I have to know what this means. And I was like thinking to myself, you already know. But she really, that text really worked on her heart. And she actually invited me over to study with she and her husband. She ended up coming to church. She ended up joining the church. So here's the deal. In your schooling, make it evangelistic. If you're not taking a Bible class, write a Bible paper. I know, you know, you can, this could even happen in Adventist schools. I had a friend, uh, a student who went through AFCO. I think I saw him here earlier. And he actually had some harder times going to an Adventist school and standing up for creation versus evolution, but God used him in that school. So whatever you are, see yourself as an evangelist, but don't sell yourself short. Um, God can use you, and I think you should go as far as you can, as rapidly as you can, and evangelize the whole way. Just remember, Protestant Reformation was led by educated people. And I'm thankful for Martin Luther and John Calvin and all the others. And that doesn't mean people that don't have an education can't be used. The little maid of Scripture, other people, um, can be used as well. So it depends on your context, but um, I think I said enough.
3: I just want to add, if possible, and I'm not going to, tr- to – I hope it's not taken the wrong way. Uh, and I understand the person's question because I have myself asked a similar question. Even after being graduated from school with the debt that I still have, uh, you ask yourself the question, if I had known better, would I have made better choices in regards to how I proceeded in my education? And for, the answer for me personally is yes. I would not have chosen to go to school to get that particular degree if I had known how much debt and how hard it would have been to get rid of that particular debt. The question is, what is the smart way to go about to get your education? The point is not not to have education. What is the smart way to go about it? And the other question I have is, I'm asking questions to you because we need to think, right? What is the purpose of education? What is the purpose of education? Why am I going to school? Did God tell me to go to that school? If you don't know if God told you to go to that school, you shouldn't go to the school. You shouldn't go get a $20,000 loan, a $25,000 loan, if God didn't tell you to go get that loan because now you are a borrower, a slave to his lender. And debt will come and crush you in these last days. So the question is, what is true education, right? What school does God want me to go to And am I I in the course that God asked me to be in? For if you are going in a course that God didn't ask you to be in, you are taking on a burden that you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. You don't want to do that. You're not just going to school because your mama said go to school. Don't do that. This is our only way out. So you got to go. You have to be a doctor. Really? No. $100,000 in debt. Don't want to be a doctor. Miserable being a doctor because you were called to be a missionary in China. What did God call you to do? And if you're not doing what God called you to do, I say you're in the wrong way of your education. The Bible says, and I'll just stop talking. It says, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Who gives wisdom? For the Lord giveth wisdom. And if your institution is not teaching the wisdom of God, the question is, should I be at that institution? For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge. And understanding true education what is it where does God want me to be
2: like he said um this would have piggyback on pastor Waller is the, the borrower is slave to the lender so there's a modern-day slavery that's still going on and the slavery of debt and what's happened is I'm seeing a lot of young people they want to go and serve God but they cannot because they have to pay their loans off and have to work here. They can't go to be a missionary somewhere else. And so they're forced to stay where they're at and their heart is burdened and work for a place they don't want to be at. In other words, they have to go to a job they hate and they have to serve the master so they can get money from the master to pay off their debt. And they're a slave. They can't do what God was calling them to do. And so it's a big problem today I'm seeing with our young people today. They really have to rethink about what direction they're going just because it's all traditionally been done that way. You really have to rethink. You know, if you look at true education in a blueprint, Madison College was E.A. Sutherland was the president of Walla Walla College and Battle Creek. And um, so they went out and they started Madison College where Percy McGann was actually, was a president of Loma Linda University. And so they started this college and they made it a way that they actually end up, they worked, every student was able to work and pay off their whole tuition and graduate debt free. And they were, they were so successful that even uh, people like Eleanor Roosevelt, in an article, um, weekly article in the newspaper, she, was, she wrote about Madison College. And then she, other people also, Reader's Digest highlighted, it was so popular because they're following the blueprint of true education. Can you imagine if that happened today? And then we can really go out as missionaries to the world free from the slavery, of modern day slavery.
0: Go ahead. This is our last question.
1: Uh, Ministry of Healing, a chapter called True Education, a Missionary Training. I'd recommend the chapter.
0: Anything else? All right. So this concludes our Q&A session. What it's really for is to encourage you to ask more questions. All of these people will be here the next at least 24 hours. Find them. Ask them questions. Those of you that asked for dating resources and you gave us your email, I think you'll get those in your email. Please take those to heart. Enjoy this evening.
2: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit
0: www.audioverse.org.